You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, March 12th, 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Katie. Hi guys! So glad to finally be back for more episode recaps. And Jenna Pace. Hey everybody! We're happy to be here and we're happy to have Katie back with us. Yay! That was lovely. I missed you guys. <laughs> oh, we missed you too. We did. Uh, well, we needed did. the heart of the truest believer. <laughs> what did you just say? I said we needed the heart of the truest believer to, to oh, sacrifice. Thank you. I, I thought you said something else. Thank you. To sacrifice, though. I know. Please don't right? sacrifice me. <laughs> well, you'll find out later. Let's jump into our recap of season seven, episode twelve, which was titled "A Taste of the Heights." and aired March 9th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. On the day of Tiana's coronation, a confrontation with Dr. Facilier compels her to take a trip through the bayou, where a surprising encounter changes her life, and the hunt for an alligator takes a dark turn. In Hyperion Heights, Sabine reconnects with an old friend whose plans could jeopardize her culinary dreams. Meanwhile, Rogers and Weaver investigate a blind witch, leading them to a shocking discovery about the coven. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 12. Once Upon a Time was viewed by 2.4 million total viewers, with 8.5 in the demo. It ticked up from last week's lows. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode. Let's see. Well, since she was gone and she's back, Katie, what did you think? Okay. Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to start things out to a great level, but... Well, that's all, folks. No, let me stop. I'm teasing you, Katie. Good. <laughs> uh, so, I liked this episode. But, I feel like I just didn't connect with it that much. It didn't... 
I don't even know how to describe it, but I kind of got bored a little bit in the episode. Um, I felt a little disjointed. I don't really know why, but um, it just wasn't my favorite. I found myself looking at my phone a lot during the episode, and that's one of the indicators for me is if I look down at my phone a lot, it means that I'm probably not enjoying the episode as much as I usually do. Um, so it wasn't my favorite, um, but I will say that I really do like Tiana, and I love Dr. Vassilier, and I loved the introduction of Naveen into the story. Um, and there's an interesting relationship that will be fun to discuss with everyone later that I, I feel interested in. I don't have a solid opinion yet because I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more to discover that we're going to see. But um, it was an okay episode. It's not one of my favorites. I did get a little bored, but um, I do like Tiana, so it was kind of fun to get more of her backstory. All right. Jenna, what about you? Well, actually, before you go, Jenna, you were probably looking at your... uh at the time because you were waiting for the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 100th episode, Katie. Okay, true. True legit. <laughs> Too legit to quit. Jenna, what about you? Okay, well, I um, I think the episode did have some problems. I was I liked it. I received it a little bit more warmly than Katie. I was actually very invested with the episode. I was, like, thinking about it and live blogging and getting all excited I think that the episode had some breakout performances. Um, Tiana, Facilier, Naveen, you know, the real, the, the stars of the episode were great. And even like, and even like some of our regular characters, like Lucy, Jacinda, Henry, Rogers, Weaver, they all had very interesting, interesting episodes, fantastic chemistry and great dynamics. There were a few problems that, there were a few problems with like, some showing and not telling and just not a fantastic use of time or like maybe just not time put in the right places at some points, but overall it was solid. All right. So Katie had uh, mixed emotions for Jenna. It was a little bit more solid and I guess I'm going to be the sunshine lollipops and rainbows of the podcast <laughs> today because I really liked it. Like I'm, I uh, know I'm not even going to say I'm sorry. I fully embrace my likeitude of this episode. You know, I'm a big fan of the Princess and the Frog. I've been waiting for a long time for Tiana, Dr. Facilia, and Naveen to show up on Once Upon a Time. We got Tiana earlier this season. We got uh, Dr. Facilier, and now we've got Naveen and, uh, to a certain extent, uh, Louis the Gator as well, in a sense. So uh, I'm really 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 like filled with positive energy about the episode listen i get it um some things maybe were a little bit rushed or, or that kind of thing but i'm kind of cool with it i really like the new ship that has uh, appeared uh, you know at the docks of the bayou and i'm here for them i saw the chemistry and and it's electric so i'm curious to see where that's gonna go especially since we know that this uh, season is the final season so i expect several episodes down the line to have a little bit of a rushed romance if if it really does like go full on in that direction but uh right now i'm here for it so uh yeah i, I thought it was a really good episode so, yeah. 
Yes. Woogie, woogie, woogie. Down the bayou, baby. <laughs> that was beautiful rendition. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I don't know what that was, but I liked it. No, uh, that's <laughs> Woogie, woogie, woogie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with it. Mixtape coming soon. <laughs> yes. Starring Jenna Pace. Exclusively on PapaChulaRadio.com. All right. Before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. All right, let's get into it. Uh, as we always do, give a little shout out to the opening title card sequence, which featured the Rollin' Bayou uh, rolling through uh, the uh, magical forest. So let's yeah. start off in the past as Rollin' by you. It's Rollin' by the. View. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Listeners, she's out of control. And this is barely the start of the podcast, I'm just saying. <laughs> Alright, let's start off in the past, as we always do in the Magical Forest. It is the night of Tiana's coronation from princess to queen. And everyone's excited, but Dr. Facilier shows up with a set of tarot cards, basically warning Tiana of impending danger. And uh, although, uh, you know, everyone seems a little skeptical, we learn that uh, Facilier and Regina seem to know each other. Tiana decides that she needs to investigate. And so she goes uh, with Ella and Hook 
to uh, where um, Facilier basically said, you know, some trouble is, is stirring in the bayou, and they learn that some sort of creature, a giant alligator, has been uh, attacking the kingdom. And uh, they discover their Prince Naveen, and uh, Prince Naveen has been hunting the creature as well. And uh, Prince Naveen is cocky, and that sort of rubs Tiana the wrong way, but uh, Tiana reluctantly accepts Naveen's help. And so as they're uh, sort of trying to track the creature, Naveen ends up finding... Uh, some sort of proof that the gator was around, which leads them to uh, another area in which the gator attacked. And so uh, th this gentleman was um, attacked by the gator, and so Ella and Nook end up taking uh, the, the man away to seek some medical assistance, and uh, Tiana and Naveen go on down the bayou. Go on down the bayou. No one's going to join me. Fine. Listeners, well, he, that'll be track two on the mixtape. <laughs> well, there's that, too. That was my... Oh, whatever. None of you have seen The Prince and the Frog haters. Yes, I have! I've seen The Frog. It's one of my favorites. All right. So <laughs> they go down the bayou, and uh, they start talking. And, um, you know, it, it turns out that Naveen's... Uh, cocky demeanor at least was like covering up some pain because he isn't necessarily hunting this gator for sport as he sort of um you know made it seem you know as if he was doing this just so that he could be the hero he's actually doing this he's hunting this creature to seek revenge for the death of his brother and uh, let's pause right here for a moment. And um, I'll open the floor up to both of you, but I'll let Katie go first since she did miss uh, the previous week. What did you think of the introduction of Naveen? And what did you think of Naveen up to this point where he's confessing sort of like the real reason why he's uh, searching for this gator? I really like Naveen. I, he, he's just, he's a fun character. I like how they introduce him and he seems, you know, he seems super cocky at first, but then you really get the real reason behind why he is how he is and why he's hunting this gator. And it's, you know, it's because he, this gator killed his brother and he was going to rule with his brother because he was too nervous. Um, he wasn't confident enough to rule by himself. And um, so, you know, he has a personal attachment to why he's doing what he's doing, um, which always gives the audience more of a reason to connect with the character and to understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's not just something random. Um and I just, I really appreciate that, you know, he's not just this cocky character. There's something underneath that, um, what he gives off at the, when we first meet him. Um, and I just, I really like his character a lot. I was hoping I would, 
And I think that um, Jeff Pierre does a really good job with the material he's been given. Um, and I, I particularly liked him. We'll get to it later, but I particularly liked his scenes in um, Hyperion Heights. Um, but I did really like him in the, um, the magical forest as well. So, um, it was a great introduction, and I'm really... He made me really look forward to seeing him more in the upcoming episodes. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought Jeff Pierre did a really great job. But some of the comments mm-hmm. that I read online were like, why is Naveen so cocky? I'm like, did you not see the Princess and the Frog? Because he kind <laughs> of, like, really, really was, like, ridiculously cocky. For, yeah, like, exactly. the first, you know three-fourths of the movie. So, exactly. I'm like, yeah, hello. Yeah, he worked with the material, the original material, but gave, you know, depth to it. And Exactly. So he did a good job. Which was nice. Uh, Jenna, what did you think? I sort of want to get your, like, first reactions to Prince Naveen, and what did you think of, as uh, Katie just mentioned, sort of, like, adding the layers to the prince, you know, and giving him this uh, bit of a tragic backstory, you know, behind uh, the cocky demeanor of course well um first i want to say like i think that the prince in the princess of the frog always did have those dimensions by because his insecurities and his cockiness was kind of a way of repressing the fact that he didn't know how to take care of himself and he didn't know how to do anything for himself so rather than give dimensions i think that um jeff pierre's version gave a took a different take on it in oh, a similar like way that. that like psychology yeah, 101 mm-hmm, with Jeff in Pace. a similar way that the new captain hook gave like a different dimension than the disney version of captain hook they're just kind of mm-hmm. like that's what i love once upon a time for they're alternate interpretations so i i generally i really liked it i think um jeff pierre and and makia cox have fantastic chemistry i was getting captain swan feels like from the moment i saw the first promo and it continued on through the episode oh, wow so yeah i i really love that's like the high moment. standard I know it's my OTP. Anyway, yeah. um, I well, you guys focus more on Naveen. I actually want to talk more about Tiana. And so, as I said, for every every moment that Tiana was on screen, hit it out of the park. But I feel like there was a little too there was too little material given to her. And by that, I mean the the theme of Tiana's story in this episode: being a control freak, not asking for help because. This goes against the character that we've seen with Tiana so far because Tiana's, like, when Tiana was recruiting Ella for the missions, when Tiana was getting princes to save her kingdom, she was, she's never been about not asking for help and not asking for help ruling. So, to me, like, the arc kind of comes out of nowhere with this having to be an episode about her having to ask for help. Maybe, like, forming alliances with other rulers, maybe that could have been understood to an extent. But it just felt a little weird, and I kind of wish, like, the beginning of the episode kind of could have explored the nuances of what Tiana's story was supposed to be about. Because while okay on its own, I don't feel like it showed enough to make sense, both in terms of just the episode by itself, or the episode in terms of Tiana and Sabine's character arc. It worked out much better in Hyperion Heights, because, like, I think... Because, like, Tiana's, because Sabine is shown to be very impulsive, but I'll get into that later. But when it comes to just um, 
just the Enchanted Forest, I kind of wish more time had been devoted to showing her as this person who doesn't ask for help, doesn't accept help, or at least, like, the reason why in this specific situation she doesn't want to do that. Because it just felt a little out of nowhere when, when like, last, in the earlier half season, she was recruiting people for this really dangerous resistance, and she was asking for a prince's help earlier on. So, had it been, like, a like, had it been shown that that was a reaction to the last time she asked help from a prince, maybe there would have been a bit more to the story for me. But for now, it just kind of felt a little floppy. That said, I liked that. I liked how the resolution of it worked out with Naveen kind of opening her eyes and using the dimensions that his character was given to kind of to talk to Tiana about why they're helpful. It just kind of felt like a, the right solution to a problem that didn't exist. I get where you're coming from. Hmm. Throughout the episode, it bugged me that they kept on calling her controlling, because I'm like, I don't think we've ever really seen that side of Tiana. So it seemed kind of weird. It seemed like a plot point that was being used for the storyline. But she does have a couple of lines of exposition uh, during the episode, which kind of explains it in the magical forest. And then I was kind of okay with it. She says that because she's queen now, like you know, the weight of the kingdom is now on her shoulders. And so she felt that she had to be the one to take care of the issues because she has to protect her subjects, basically. And when she said that, I was like, okay, you know what? I guess I can roll with that for now because, you know, at least they they came up with some sort of reason as to why she was controlling or she wanted to be in control of the hunt for the gator. And I was like, okay, I guess I can go with that. I can understand that a little bit more. All right, so continuing on, so they reach the middle of uh, a lake, and uh, as, you know, they're sort of talking, and after Naveen confesses, like, his true intentions as to why, you know, he wants to kill this gator, they share a toast, or, or he toasts Tiana, and she f- sees something weird, sort of, uh, in his satchel, and... I kept on like rewinding it. And I was like, "What the hell is that?" I guess it's like some beads. It looks like it's a, a, a some sort of necklace or something. And uh, Tiana immediately is distressful and is like, "Doctor Facilier, did he send you? It, you know, are that looks like it's from Doctor Facilier and all this kind of thing." And Naveen is like, "No, this was my brother's." And you know, this, that, or the other. And, and Tiana's like, "No, no, no, Doctor Facilier, you, him, working together. This is all a trap, basically." And so while they're arguing about this. You know, that they're talking much more loudly, and it attracts the gator, and uh, the gator ends up snatching Naveen. And this is totally an aside, this is my opinion. We saw some really neat CGI. I thought, actually, it was oh. it was decent for... I, yeah, Lily, that totally... was like six cool seconds. I wish we could have seen more. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. It was actually, like, they, they're, they're always choppy with... Um, their CGI, but that was actually really good. Yeah, kudos to the CGI department. I thought the gator Mm -hmm. looked really good and very believable, and that whole sequence in which they were underwater was uh, really well done. And so 
uh, the gator is tossing, you know, and, and you know, swimming with uh, Naveen underwater. Naveen manages to escape, and uh, I forgot to mention this, but it is important uh, now, to be quite honest. Naveen was in possession of a spear that could uh, take down the gator. It's enchanted and all that kind of stuff. And so Tiana has it, and Naveen screams, you know, come on, Tiana, you know, use the spear, use the spear. And so she ends up throwing the spear, and it hits the creature, and the creature dies. But uh, Naveen is uh, badly injured, and so uh, they um, approach the shore, and, you know, Dr. Facilier appears out of nowhere. And uh, Facilier basically explains that uh, he needed their help because the gator had swallowed a trinket, a necklace, that uh, he needed to um, basically regain, you know, and that kind of thing. And so uh, Tiana is like, you know, can you save Naveen? And he basically ex explains that it's going to be an incredible price because he's heading in between worlds. And so Tiana's like, no, you know, we... Uh, did you a favor so you owe us a favor or you're, you owe me a favor and you're going to save his life and so uh, Facilier agrees you know because now he has his trinkets and whatnot and so he heals Naveen but then he magically poofs Naveen away and he explains that I may have granted you a favor but I didn't grant him a favor so he needs to pay off his debt and uh, he will at some point. And so he poofs away as well. And so finally, at the coronation, Tiana basically asks her friends, you know, to help guard the kingdom. And uh, they reassure her that they will find Naveen and that kind of thing. And as everyone sort of heads on out to greet Tiana's subjects. Regina sticks around, and uh, she uh, knew Facilier was not far away, and so he ends up giving the necklace to Regina, and uh, basically she's like, you know, I'm not the same person that you used to know, and he says something to the gist of, you know, uh, basically that, that uh, you know, aren't you happy to see me? And the two actually end up embracing and kissing. So, I guess we've got a lot to talk about. So, let's talk about Facilier and his involvement with Tiana and Naveen. And, I mean, we've got to talk about these two. Uh, I guess we're calling them Shadow Queen. What do we think of this new ship? And I'll start off, and I'm going to say... The twist with Facilier was really interesting, and I'm talking about the whole Naveen-Tiana situation. I love when our sort of evil, magical people um, use words and twist things around to get their way. Because he could have easily have left Naveen there, but because, you know, he's like, you know... I granted you, you know, the favor. I didn't grant it to him. I like that situation a lot. I love the new smoke 
effect that they're using for facilier. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if it's because because we did see that whole thing uh, in the previously on where we saw the red ruby. Maybe it's because he's in possession of the ruby, but now his black smoke has kind of like a red hue that's with it, and I think it looks hot. Like I really like that effect a lot. Uh, the the red and the black sort of go really well together, and it just uh, visually it looks uh, very impressive. Um, I do like that, even though it's going to sound like, like, um, the way that I'm comparing it, it sounds like they're reusing an old plot, but I liked how they did it this time around. It feels kind of like Cinderella with her prince. I you know? Mm-hmm. I but, got that cool too. But in a good way, because uh, I feel like we're actually going to get the answers to it this time around. <laughs> versus... You know, what actually happened to Cinderella and her prince way back in season one, episode two? Episode four, actually. Episode four? Oh, yeah, oh, episode four, yes. Yeah, that was the Ella episode. Or the Cinderella episode. I never to that, but... I don't know, like, it's kind of like it was supposed to be ambiguous, and it was kind of like it didn't matter. She wasn't getting anything until the child dispute was taken care of. I guess. But yeah, still, still I'm like, where the hell was he? So... It was like a neat little twist on that. And I will also say, I like that it was not love at first sight. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we get yeah. a lot of that on Once Upon a Time. Obviously, yeah. Tiana and Naveen had a lot of chemistry. And I feel like she really sympathized with him, especially once he confessed why he was doing what he was doing. But it still wasn't love. Like, it wasn't that she was in love with him and that kind of thing. So, not to get like too deep into Hyperion Heights because we'll be getting there in a moment but I feel like we're going to see their love blossom in Hyperion Heights and uh, I kind of yeah. like the thought the of that mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. different and um, it sort of goes a little bit with the story of the princess and the frog although they do fall in love as frogs well actually that's kind of interesting because you know the frogs, they are in their human form, and although obviously they're human in Hyperion Heights, but it's kind of like this new personality. So maybe it does sort of mirror a little bit of the princess and the frog, mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. So, all right. And as far as Shadow Queen, I like them. Sue me. I, I do. I felt their electricity in their very first scene together. They ooze charisma, both of them, and they ooze sex appeal. And I just, I like them. I'm here for it. I it, This was kind of like one of my dream canons, and it's kind of come true. And maybe that's also why I like it, because I sort of wanted it to happen. So I'm here for it for now. It seems like he's a little shady. So I hope that there is some sort of redemption. I hope that they maybe pull a better iteration of like what they did with Hades because Hades was just kind of it, I think we we all we all feel like that was you know just handled interestingly not in not in a good way mm-hmm. so oh. hopefully they do a little bit of a better job with it this time around if they are going to go you know sort of like a villain or a former villain redeeming a current villain or someone who seems like they're villainous. Uh, yeah, but I'm not gonna, like, in the back of my mind as I'm watching this, like, I'm thinking this is the final season. At this point, 
in the writing of this episode, they didn't know it was the final season. So at some point, we will be rushing to something. And I hope we're rushing to something in a good way. So removing that sort of thought from my mind, just like viewing this as an episode, I liked it. I was here for it. And um, Mm -hmm. I I think they're kind of hot together. So uh, the only thing that bugs me is the fact that... I guess the evil queen had some sort of romantic something with Dr. Facilier. And I wish that they would have, instead of done that, I wish that they would have had this romance happen at some point during those, I guess, nine years that Regina was living in the magical forest versus like going like, I guess, deeper into the past and like having this happen when Regina was still a villain just because Mm -hmm. it it kind of comes out of the blue and for the longest like she's been pining over Daniel and that she's never going to get love and she finally found love in Robin but you also had this little romantic thing with Facilier like it just (laughs) you know what I'm saying like it it kind Mm -hmm. of is a little bit of retconning a little. And you know what? Sometimes when you get into the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th season of a fantasy show, you do have to retcon a little. It always bugs me, though. Like, as a continuity person, mm-hmm. it, it does bug me. But this is what we were given. So as of right now, I'm rolling with it. Rolling down the bayou. Whatever. Um, (laughs) I am going to go with it. I just hope that they give us a little bit more context in the future, but I'm not going to consider it a negative yet, uh, unless, you know, once they give us the context, if that just doesn't make any sense. So for now, I'm here for it. I like them. So Jenna, what about you? What did you think of Facilier meddling with the kids and uh, Facilier with uh, Regina? Okay, well, first I want to talk about um, Tiana, Naveen, and Facilier. And I love that Tiana just took no shit. She was like, no, I'm not paying this price of magic. She was going all legal on him. Like, Mr. Gold would be really proud if he was watching right now. It was just aggressive and smart. And it reminded me so much of just how good of a You called him Mr. Gold. You know, because Rumpel's a lawyer. Because Mr. Gold's a lawyer. Like, she's pulling out all these legal things. Like, no, I did this. Not this. Mr. So Gold's a lawyer? It, yeah, in, in Storybrooke in season one, he was a lawyer. He defended uh, Mary Margaret in the Catherine Nolan case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Sorry, oh, I've he been, did? I've been... Oh, okay, mm-hmm. gosh. Been, That's yeah. like a <laughs> tiny storyline from season one. What? I've been like a rewatch, so man. Um, <laughs> any... Anyways, um, yeah, so she just took no shit... I love how she's just this firm, aggressive, smart ruler. And that's just what makes the, this Tiana such a good character. I mean, I love the Disney Tiana, and I love this one. Different reasons, but same conclusion. Anyways, um, I like Facilier's cleverness. Like, the way that he still does get something that he wants. And, yeah, he seems like the kind... He's going to be a very interesting character to take down whatever it ends up. Or whatever ends up becoming of his character oh you know? regina's gonna uh, take him down later we'll talk about that later on oh yeah well let's get right into shadow queen because i'm excited um i found 
Okay, so this is going to be incredibly controversial, but I have found both of Regina's love interests boring as toast. I am so happy that Regina finally has a compelling love interest. A love interest with a really interesting character who interacts with people, is very dynamic, and changes to his environment, and I love that Facilier was able to do that in less than two episodes that he's been featured in. So, that just makes me so optimistic and hopeful. I, I as With my Regina ships... I'm okay with it being, like, a little more on the clunky side, as long as it's interesting. Like, I don't know, I always found Robin and Daniel to be very boring characters who didn't really have, who were just kind of, like, the nice person, so Regina could have somebody that was nice, where Cillier's going to kind of challenge her. I don't know, it's going to be, like, Regina redeeming somebody. Um, it's It's going to be... It's going to be interesting, and I love their chemistry. I love their passion. I'm really intrigued by the story because, also, I don't know where it's going. Is Facilier going to be, like, a love interest here to stay? I mean, I hope so, because everybody wants Regina to be happy. We're now in the final season, so I think the writers are, are going to keep that in mind going forward, or as much as they planned since they knew the season was ending. But I think... Yeah, I, I really like that I don't know where it's going, I, or and I like that even if I have, like, inklings of suspicions, I don't know what form that's going to take. And, yeah, it's keeping me invested. It's keeping me on my toes. I kind of like the fact that it was during an evil, like, a thing when she was the evil queen. I feel like this is kind of Golden Queen done right, where it's, like, this evil, this villain ship, and we're going to kind of, like, see that this villain ship was, like, you know, they're evil and they love it and they kind of love each other. And maybe, like, things didn't end necessarily badly between between um, Facilier and Regina, but just didn't, like, end up happening. Like, maybe they were just, like, one-night stands in a way. So it wasn't, like, love, but it was just kind of, like, this awesome one-night stand that I had. And we had, like, some passionate moments. But, it, like, we all we had different things and you went to this other land and I continued doing my thing and now we're here together again but I'm this really different person and you're still the same person so there's so much to work with here with what this relationship is and what it's going to become so I'm so hooked on that relationship I am all aboard the good ship Shadow Queen I like it you know what if they did that I could go with that i could ride with that and it would be understandable why regina never sort of uh it would not be retconning is what i'm trying to say it would make the most sense if it was like let's say you know a, a one night stand that was very passionate and you know it was like lust at first sight and then they never saw each other again uh, or maybe they did, but it was, you know, sort of more on, on a villainous type of thing. And But they always had, like, maybe a little thing for each other. And, and now is the time that they kind of explore it a little bit more. I could get behind that. I think that would be really interesting. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think I think it would be oh. better. Go ahead. I'd like to add one last thing. Um, I was watching another show uh, that aired right after Once Upon a Time this week called Jane the Virgin. And in this episode... The main character who had a, had a romance in the past and her husband tragically died and now she's getting in a romance with a new guy. They're kind of like talking about the ramifications and worries about, you know, like how I was in this old relationship and now I'm in this new relationship. And the character compared it to improv, which was kind of like an element that was explored in the episode and saying that the first rule of improv is yes and. Where it's like you're always building on things but not ignoring things that have happened. So... 
because I know that a thing that's going to be very delicate going forward is Regina's been in a lot of romantic relationships, and people really hold those relationships near and dear. So it hasn't been it, a lot. It's been like two. And people ship her with all sorts of characters. She's the most, probably the most shippable character in the entire series. Shout out to the mm-hmm. Swan Queens. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so I kind of hope that whatever they do with Shadow Queen, it's very delicate. It doesn't like, it doesn't like say they were the true soulmates all along. It doesn't do anything to be mean to Stable Queen or Outlaw Queen. It just kind of, it lets those things be there, but it builds on it. And that's my sincerest hope because while I do find that Robin and Daniel were boring, I do respect their importance in Regina's life. And I respect what those romances mean to other people. So I just hope going forward they treat those relationships with respect, even as they go for this new one. I like that. I will agree with you that Outlaw Queen was kind of blah. And uh, you said that it would be controversial. Maybe it's controversial to the fandom, but it's not controversial it's- for me. Uh, Daniel, listen, we didn't get a lot of him. We got him in one episode, and then he was like Frankenstein. So for like what we saw, he was fine. Like I didn't, I didn't mind like the nice guy because at the time Regina was nice. So nice and nice made nice, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah. But. I never really cared for Robin. Like, I've said this many times on the podcast, so this should uh, not be a surprise to any of our listeners that have followed uh, along with us since the beginning, or at least, you know, for a couple seasons now. Like, Robin, I called him an accessory. Uh, At one point, uh, because I kept on calling him an an accessory, one of our previous co-hosts ended up calling him a man purse. But because that's what he was, to be quite honest, he was an accessory. He was there. He didn't really have a storyline to his own. I'm a huge fan of Regina. Like, everybody knows that. Uh, So I was happy for her to be in a relationship and to be in love. But I never really saw the sparks with them. Uh, I didn't really see, like, the chemistry, to be quite th- to be quite honest. Like, I, I liked that Regina was happy, so I was here for it, for her. But uh, I saw a lot of electricity with her and Dr. Facilier in, like, two scenes. And that was more than I saw with her and Robin, like, the whole time. <laughs> so, I don't know why I whispered it. I guess maybe so Sean McGuire wouldn't hear, but... Um, because it's controversial! I know it is controversial. Oh so, apologies to Outlaw Queen. Like I mentioned, like, I did root for them, you know, so I, I did mention that, and it's the truth, because I wanted my Regina happy, but uh, they were boring. I co-sign that with you, uh, Jenna. So... Hopefully this is a little bit more interesting, and since it is the final season, I just hope that uh, they figure out a way to make the romance less messy, uh, maybe a little dramatic, but less messy, so it's not a messy romance. Uh, I think, uh, like, everyone that has been following spoilers, you know, sort of knows that Adam and Eddie have said that Regina is getting a romance. And so, I guess we're all assuming this is the romance and that kind of thing. So, if this is officially the romance that she's getting, I just hope it ends well for her and that she's happy. I'm a big believer in, like, people don't necessarily need to find romance on these shows to be happy, but because this is Once Upon a Time, and everyone gets coupled up, and everybody, you know, wants that true love finale type of thing, 
I feel like Regina should get her own, and if Dr. Facilier is it, I hope that they write it well so that everyone, or maybe not everyone, the majority of Regina fans are at least happy with the relationship. Katie, what about you? What did you think of Facilier with Tian and Naveen going down the bayou and uh, Shadow Queen? Well, I agree with a lot of what both of you said. I really like Tiana because she has so much spunk and she's willing to stand up for what she believes in and she wants to lead as strongly as possible. Um, She's willing to do, to, to get her hands dirty, to do the dirty work instead of having other people do it for her. Um, and she's not afraid to stand up to people like Dr. Facilier, who is r- kind of a terrifying villain, um, especially if you think about in movie terms. He was really creepy. Um, and to think of that in terms of the show, um, he is he is a creepy villain. And for her to not be afraid to stand up to stand up to him is important to see and I just I love Tiana I think she is one of my favorites of this season Ooh. Ooh. yeah yeah I just I really like her I love Makia Cox she does a brilliant brilliant job playing Tiana um and that scene specifically with her not backing down to Dr. Facilier is one of the reasons why um but, you know, beyond her um, kind of dealing with her and Naveen as a couple, um, I'm really excited to see where they go from here because I really like that their dynamic. Um, I said it earlier, but I, I really liked their dynamic more in Hyperion Heights um, for different reasons. But um, I still like them in the Magical Forest. Um, they're just fantastic. So I do really like Naveen and Tiana, and I'm, I'm just excited to see where they go from here. Um, beyond them, I am very interested in um, Shadow Queen, as we're calling it. I When the news first came out that we would be... Um, they would be the couple, or, I mean, I'm assuming they're the couple, because they've been doing a lot of filming together and all that stuff. Um, and they're hot. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited, because I thought it was going to be a very interesting dynamic. Um, and you were because, excited, because I hoped that it would happen. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um Specifically because Regina was the big bad villain for a long time. And now she's redeemed. And here we're pairing her up with someone who is currently a big bad villain. The big bad, I guess you could say. Um, Not maybe the big bad of the season, but um, one of them. So it's very interesting to me that they're kind of flipping the dynamics a little bit. Um... I actually, actually, if you if you think about it, it's kind of like Outlaw Queen flipped around because 
when with Outlaw Queen, Regina was the one who was the villain at that point. Um, she wasn't as bad, I guess you could say, as she was in season one, but she still was more villainous at that point. Okay, um, I can dig that. And yeah, you, you know what I, you know what I'm trying to say. And we understand Robin, your English language. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, it's a work of in progress. <laughs> it's improv. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, and and um, oh, she just Robin. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Robin was more the hero, sort of the um at that point. So we're kind of that's, and that was the main like her main ship, I would say. For a while. And so with this one, we're taking those two dynamics and flipping them on their head where she is the hero and he is the villain. And so that's kind of interesting to me to explore that dynamic in a much different light. Um, I actually liked Outlaw Queen. I didn't like them towards the end. I think the last season they were in, I was kind of over them because Robin didn't have much material. He he turned into a man purse, if we're being honest. Um, but I really liked them and loved them at the beginning. And then towards the end, I was kind of over it. Um, so I always said if they would have kept Robin the same as they had kept him in the beginning um, of the relationship, I would have loved it and would have been more devastated than I was when he died. Um, so beyond that, I... I'm very interested to see where this dynamic is going to go um, with Regina and Dr. Facilier. Um, I feel like I don't have enough of their relationship to judge on now because we're really just getting the first pieces of it. And there's so many more puzzle pieces to fit into figure out how I feel. But I will say that they look really good together. Um, their chemistry seems like it's there, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen and see if I, if my feelings grow stronger towards them or if I back away from liking them. So I'm, I'm hoping, because I, I really do want Regina to find love um, that... We can end the show with knowing that she has somebody that she loves and she's happy. I know that she's happy without love. She doesn't She doesn't need love. And she's already proved that, that she doesn't need that. But it's always fun on a show about fairy tales to see her fall in love at some point. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it ends for them. If it ends, you know, with him turning and they're both good together or whatever happens. So I'm excited to see where it goes. All right now. So it is now time to jump to the present day Hyperion Heights, USA. And I guess let's discuss the opening scene because it was interesting what they did with it. So we have some narration from Henry, and as he's narrating, we're sort of seeing everybody in Hyperion Heights, and uh, we also see Jacinda and Lucy visiting Victoria's uh, grave, 
and uh, it turns out that all of this like narration is from a brand new podcast that Henry has created. It's the first episode, and the podcast is basically questioning what's going on in Hyperion Heights, and in particular, sort of like the shady business deals of uh, Victoria. So, uh, Jenna, just out of curiosity, like, what did you think of the opening? And uh, what do you think of Henry and... Uh, his new role, I guess, as a podcaster. Well, I think the new opening was something so interesting. It kind of, it united everybody in Hyperion Heights, or mostly everybody, because there were a couple characters that straight up weren't shown. Um, It kind of acted as this really unique unifier. It kind of helped, it kind of, like, served its purpose to, I guess, do something, you know, carry the emotions of the last scene uh, of the last episode with Victoria Belfry's death. There's something kind of special and unique about it. And I love H town because it's kind of Henry is taking this step to become part of Hyperion Heights. He's taking a further step. He's now kind of the voice of Hyperion Heights. Um, There's just something so there's just something so special about it. I like how it relates further on in the episode. I like how everybody's heard. Everybody has something to say about it. So I think this is something that, Mm -hmm. well, it's never been done before. I hope it's something that's done before that's done in the future because it it has, again, this weird unifying thing. It feels like it, it feels like he's being the author, even in this new realm. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I got to say about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Sort of like the new way to be an author in the modern day, basically. So, continuing mm-hmm. on with Henry. Henry gets invited by Jacinda and Lucy for a game night. And uh, Lucy ends up using that to her advantage so that True Love's kiss could happen. And Lucy's really excited about it. She even shares with Henry when he arrives that... Uh, Victoria basically shared with her a different storybook that proved that everything was real, and so she knows that it's real, and this is that or the other, so she's, like, really pumped for this night because she feels like it's the the night that will change everything. And boy, does it. Because while uh, Henry and Jacinda end up, you know, chatting alone together, discussing podcasting and mixtapes and all that kind of stuff, Lucy is in her room, and so as she gets back into bed, she picks up her Once Upon a Time book, and a page slips out. And she looks at the page, and the page reveals that if Henry and Jacinda share True Love's kiss, he will die as the curse is broken. And so uh, Lucy does her best to stop her real-life parents from sharing a kiss. So, Katie, what did you think of this storyline in this episode? Henry, Jacinda, Lucy, and True Love's Kiss. I really liked this scene. Um, I, I love Lucy, and I've talked about that before. Um, she's just so cute, and um, the fact that she's kind of taken on the role that we saw in the original um, show in season one, of, you know, young Henry trying to be the catalyst to 
the curse being broken. Um, I love that she's the true believer now, and she really believes in all of this, and she wants um, she wants to see her parents get back together. Um, and so she's trying everything in her power to do that. And uh, at this point, she doesn't know about what um, what dangers there are to doing that at this point. Um, and I love how she just she's not very subtle in the way that she's doing it. Um, but her mother goes along with it anyway, because she loves her. Um, and just, to, the best, one of the best parts of this episode to me was when they were having the game night and, um, she, you know, it's like six thirty, and she's like, well, okay, it's time for me to go to bed. So good night. Have a good time. And she just leaves them there. And her mother's like, it's six thirty. Why are you going to bed? Um, that was such a fun scene to see. Um, and I just, I, I liked how this played out. It was, it was very tragic. Um, because they were so close to doing True Love's Kiss, and Lucy realizes, and I almost thought that maybe she wouldn't be able to stop it in time. Um, but she did, and um, it's going to be interesting now to see how Lucy tries to work around this, knowing now the dangers, because she wants the curse to break, but you know now there's... It's not just the obstacle of getting her, Henry and Jacinda to have True Love's kiss to break it. But now what are, now what is she going to do now that that's not an option, or at least is not an option at this moment. So um, it was a good scene, and um, I'm excited to see where Lucy goes from here in her quest to figure out how to break the curse. Yeah, totally. I like it. A lot of great points, Katie. Hey, there you go. See, sometimes I can do English well. I know. You can do English good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's talk about another... There were many storylines in this episode. Another tiny storyline that affects like the overall... Um, I guess, arc of uh, at least the next few episodes, Weaver and Rogers start investigating the death of Dr. Sage because a lot of weird, suspicious things happened. It turns out that the doctor died basically at the same time that Victoria Belfry did, which causes them to really question what the hell is uh, going on with the situation. And so uh, a lead on the doctor leads them to a blind baker. And uh, she basically says, you know, that uh, Dr. Sage came in, she gave me my test results, and, you know, she had the same thing that she always has. And uh, the fact that she stops Rogers from investigating... Uh, the, um, I don't know if you would call it, the, the back rooms or whatever of the bakery, you know, it leads them to believe that she's hiding something. And so, uh, once they break into the shop, they find her knocked out, uh, and, uh, 
it turns out that the, the gas was turned on and, and it appears as if someone was trying to kill her uh, via carbon monoxide poisoning. And so once they discover that the baker has a similar tattoo as the doctor, it's that rune that we've seen multiple times that's kind of like the uh, official symbol of the Coven of Eight, you know, they start to realize that the uh, cult, as they call it, is being targeted by someone that wants to eliminate them all. But of course, they don't know why, nor do they know who this person is. So, we're learning that the witches are being targeted, someone is trying to get rid of all the witches, and uh, they have successfully gotten rid of Dr. Sage, they tried to get rid of the blind witch. So, what's going on? Jenna, what did you think of this storyline? The storyline of uh, Weaver and Rogers investigating the uh, coven. Um, so oddly enough, despite this being like the art, the part of the story that I guess relates most to the main arc, I felt like it was almost in a way a little inconsequential and I guess odd. Um, for one thing, this wasn't, you didn't mention this, but I like that, um, we, we see that moment with Rogers and Weaver where Rogers really regrets helping Eloise out and Weaver kind of like comforts him. That was a really interesting, um, Rogers Weaver's moment, Rogers Weaver moment that kind of like, it oddly shows the development between these two because one of them's cursed the other one isn't so i just liked that moment um the scene in the bakery was really funny especially when you're seeing these characters look all serious at gingerbread men so just pointing out the like odd things of it oh the gingerbread it, men look good and i don't even like gingerbread <laughs> yeah with you gingerbread's just okay um and then we find out somebody's almost ginger dead when they break in. <laughs> and you have to ginger dread what's going to happen next. Oh. So we have to break ginger dead E going forward. <laughs> oh my gosh. Somebody stop me. <laughs> Please. Okay, so yeah, so nicely. Um, so the mystery, the mystery is interesting. I find it a little odd that they're like, I guess, I guess I'm kind of left wondering just who's going to be in this Coven of Eight. Is there even going to be a fully formed Coven of Eight going forward? They're killing off a lot of witches. And unless, like, we reveal that some people that we know in Hyperion Heights secretly have powers, it just feels very odd, like, to have such a large coven and to not know where they, not to know who they are and to be having just this witch killer. So it's kind of like, who's going to be the villain? Is it going to be the witch killer or is it going to be, is it going to be the witches? Well, if you think about it, we know a lot of who the, was in the coven. Regina, because she cast the spell, if if we're counting her as one of the eight, because they needed an eighth person. So Regina, um, Ivy Gothel, Ivy, Sage, the Blind Witch, that's five. So there's only three left. Yeah, but if they killed two of those people off, who's going to replace them? Oh, you mean so as far as replacing like, them? If they need yeah, eight for whatever it is that they want to do. I don't think they necessarily like, need the eight anymore, because they cast the curse. Unless it's a whole situation... Well, no. Um, because we know how they're going to break the curse. Unless maybe they need the eight to uh, rework the curse, to fix it so that Henry doesn't die, maybe? Or 
or to do whatever the heck they want to do. Like the danger of this cult forming is seems to me like that's what they were building up as the danger of the season was mm-hmm. going to be this coven of eight. So like maybe Anastasia is going to take a place. Like maybe I would imagine Regina's place. Cause obviously, you know, Regina is not going to just stick with, not going to just join again unless she's under threat, which she could, but that even only then that's four of, it's only four spots. So, and now we have, and now we have four of the potential people, two of them dead. So now if we want to have these people join, we have to, you know, we have to like get a move on. And a lot of the people, and like, yeah, you could have it that there are other magical people, but a lot, most of our main characters are non-magic. So are they just going to keep introducing more new characters? So I guess I'm just wondering, it can't leave me wondering what, what is going to be the future of the villains going forward? Like, obviously, Gothel's still a villain. Ivy's kind of a villain. Potentially, we'll see. But, yeah, what does the what does the villainous future hold? And what is, is the Coven of Eight the threat that we're still looking for if they keep killing off their witches without replacement? So, at least it has me curious. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, definitely. I like it. Okay, so let's see. There are two other storylines, but they all revolve around one person, although one is tangentially, so maybe we'll go with that one first. So it is time for the the food festival in which the episode is named of, A Taste of the Heights, and Sabine is uh, there to sell her beignets as well as some delicious Cajun cuisine from her uh, food truck, which is titled Jenna? Um, the Rollin' by you! <laughs> oh, somebody stop me! <laughs> Was Jim Carrey just with us? Maybe. <laughs> I like it. I think so. Possibly. And as she's setting her food truck up, she runs into a former culinary school classmate named Drew. And uh, basically, you know, they catch up a little bit. We get a little bit of Drew, a.k.a. Prince Naveen's backstory from Hyperion Heights. You know, they were in culinary school together, but he ended up leaving and he ended up getting a job at his parents, you know, frou-frou, fancy uh, restaurant and now apparently he's back in the heights and uh he's not there just to you know sample her beignets um that was not a euphemism Uh, he's there to he wants to get some of her beignets oh my gosh (laughs) i don't even know what that means he's there because he has a food truck of his own and he's also selling cajun cuisine and so after uh, Sabine ends up you know snatching some of his beignets and <laughs> commenting that they taste like uh, like a what was it a rubber hat or something like that she said it, it was a soggy hat a soggy hat there you go uh, an officer shows up basically asking Sabine if she has the proper permits for her food truck and it turns out she's missing a very important one and so her uh, her um, food truck is shut down and so Sabine immediately suspects Drew of doing this because who else would want to sabotage her and Drew 
says that that it wasn't him but he will uh, he will end up you know helping her or something like that and she doesn't believe him and so she starts to close up shop and uh, drew ends up bringing her his permit and uh, is like you know you can use it and he explains that he explains the truth basically of what happened to him you know it wasn't that he ended up leaving culinary school to go work with his parents it wasn't the path for him and he's even like you know you tasted my cooking and all that kind of stuff and uh, so uh, he explains that you know the reason why well he, ex he had explained earlier that he had a silent business partner and this that or the other and we see later on that uh, Mr. Samdi, a.k.a. Dr. Facilier, in Hyperion Heights, is his silent partner. And uh, apparently, Drew is um, doing certain things for Mr. Samdi that is going to allow Mr. Samdi to acquire something that he has been uh, searching for for a long time apparently and uh it seems as if uh as we sort of end this storyline as if drew and sabine have made some sort of connection and uh, i guess we'll leave it at that so uh, we're gonna talk about samdi a lot as we discuss the final storyline of Hyperion Heights, so let's try to focus more so on Sabine and Drew. What did uh, you think of uh, their storyline in this episode? And Katie, well, I'll have um, both of you discuss it, but I'll start off with Katie because I know Katie uh, really seemed to enjoy this part of the episode. I did. Um, I I really liked particularly. Um, Sabine and Drew's um, relationship because, you know, they obviously have a past. Um, but and they don't know it. But they don't know Oh, it. you mean the past in Hyperion Heights. Yes, they have a fake past. Let's put it that way. Um, so it brings a different dynamic. It's not like they're just meeting. Um, they have obviously, I mean met before um they've had interactions before and then you kind of it seems like you know they were friends at one point um they have a good relationship and then they're pitted against each other and he's just he's his cocky self just like he was um as prince naveen in the magical forest and um it's it's just I don't know I can't even put my finger on it, but I just loved him particular particularly in Hyperion Heights. Um, they had good chemistry. I mean, they, they had did. good chemistry mm -hmm. in the past, but it was yeah. a little bit more electric in Hyperion yeah, Heights. I think that's what it was. Is their chemistry was just really good, and just they they had... were eye banging. Yeah, for a there hot you go. Moment there. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they had more depth to their relationship, obviously because they have these fake memories of their fake past, um, rather than where we saw them in the magical forest where they had just met. Um but um I'm just it made me really excited to see where they go from here. 
Um, I just, I really liked how she, when she got angry at him, um, and he's honestly like, this was honestly like not my fault. I didn't mean to do this. Um, I didn't do it. Um, and just to see him offer help to her and for them to kind of, um, work together at the end of the day, um. But I just, I really like them, and it makes me excited to see what's coming up. Yeah, they were cute together. Can mm-hmm. someone explain to me why he's called Drew? I mean, obviously the writers chose that name, but usually the cursed persona makes sense with, like, who they were or what they were doing in their previous life. And does... I, I can't think of why he's called Drew. But does anyone... Do we know his last name? No. Not in this episode, at least. But does anyone... I mean, I'm trying to think, like, does Tilly have something to do with Alice? I, oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I've i heard things, but I don't remember what they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was going to say, I feel like maybe it's just they're not... Because I'm trying to think of, like, the other cursed persona names right now. And, like, Sabine doesn't really... I guess it kind of does. No, but... Sabine, it does. I forget. If you look up the name Sabine, there is an explanation. It makes sense, mm-hmm. I think. I feel okay. like I've looked up the name Sabine before. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense with Princess and the Frog. Jacinda's yeah. makes sense uh, as well. Hmm. Ivy. Okay. Ivy, um. Didn't? Unless Poison Ivy. <laughs> you know, she just. Yeah. You know. I'm not sure. That would be a good thing to look up, though. Yeah, I guess we might we might have to look up the meaning of the name Drew, mm-hmm. and maybe that might explain why Naveen, or maybe it has to deal with frogs or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. But uh, I like them too. I felt like they were electric as well. I liked their chemistry. They were very cutesy together, even though. You know, it was a different kind of uh, dynamic, even though it was a similar one to the one in the Magical Forest. You know, obviously he was cocky and that kind of thing, but she was a little bit more, it seemed like she was a little bit more receptive to it in uh, Hyperion Heights. And she sort of brushed it off a little bit more versus like when she's initially meeting him and she's taking it a little bit more seriously because of the dire situation. The whole thing with him and uh, Samdi... I really don't want to go into it that much, but because they did have that little dynamic, so I'll focus on their deal or whatnot. I thought that was an interesting twist. It's kind of like Naveen is paying off the debt that he had with uh, Facilier without really even knowing that he's paying off the debt. I was thinking that too. Yeah, because he thinks that Mm -hmm. he's paying off this debt because he's the silent... A business partner and that kind of thing and so he has to do whatever Samdi asks him to do but uh, like the undertones is that uh, really Facilier is getting him to pay off um, whatever you know the debt of saving his life I don't know what he's searching for so th- I guess you know that leaves the door open to a lot but um I do like that, as I mentioned before, you know, I felt like Vasilia was going to have to come back because of, you know, his interactions with Tiana in the past. So I'm glad he's back, and um, 
I guess we're going to have to see if he's going to have Drew do some other things. But um, setting that aside, that very sort of final scene with uh, Drew and uh, Sabine, or even the scene before where they were working together, I'm curious to see where these two go. And if it is what I sort of mentioned earlier, that we're going to see their romance blossom in Hyperion Heights, and then once the curse is broken, they're going to realize, you know, I knew you. And, you know, I, I saved you, and, and you know, I, I, or I was, like, trying to save you, and, and maybe I saved you here in Hyperion Nights, and now we're in love, and, you know, that ends up creating the romance and, and the ship. I'm kind of here for it. Jenna, what about you? Okay, first, before we get into that, that portion of the episode, I just realized kind of what a, a secondary meaning to the title of this episode, A Taste of the Heights, we kind of get a taste of... Almost everybody, like, there's a couple of characters left out, of course, Ivy, Gothel, Tilly, but we kind of get little bits of all the characters, all the characters. Um, anyways, going into that, um, going off of that, I really did like the Hyperion Heights stuff with um, Sabine and Drew. What I, um, I really like how Tiana's story arc about trusting people worked a lot better here, because, like, I felt that there was a bit more of a foundation to it. And a bit more of a payoff, like the conflict was a little bit more central and well and better explored. Um, I really do like this past relationship between um, Sabine and Drew. I don't know; it it doesn't. Even though like a lot of it is just exposition, it kind of feels more like we're being shown than we're being told. So I don't know; it felt much more effective. Um, I was about to say something. It's weird, like, a lot of people say Drew is cocky, and while I think he is, I think there's this underlyingness of him also being very responsible. The moment that, like, he sees that, you know, Sab um, things are going bad for Sabine, he tells her the truth instantly, he takes responsibility mm -hmm. for it. I mean, he says it, He, of course he says it's Sandy's fault, because it is, and he's mm -hmm. explaining things, but he does, but like, he takes it upon himself to join Sabine in the food truck. Like, I feel like he takes mm -hmm. a level of responsibility with her. And it kind of, what I like about the, what I've always liked about Enchanted Forest cursed parts and cursed counterparts and regular counterparts is they're usually like in character with one fundamental difference. And I think kind of for Naveen, there's almost like this, this slightly more responsible, responsible behavior to it, to him. So... I yeah, I think that mm -hmm. I think that makes him very interesting and compelling. And mm -hmm. even though he's only been introduced now, I wanna follow him and I like that they're taking the time to develop the romance here so so they could have just so they could have just focused on having a really interesting interaction between Tiana and Naveen that didn't necessarily need to be romantic back in the magical forest. So, mm -hmm. it, those two parts did come together really well in that regard. This building. So, it makes me excited for whatever those two characters have going on. And I hope we get to see more of that relationship. Because it's a real bright spot of the season. I agree. A lot of fantastic points made. And I do want to add just one thing. Because it was mentioned before and I just sort of want to co-sign it now. Makia Cox is magic. She is yes. just so oh, yes. freaking wonderful as Tiana. Like, 
everything about her, she just really brightens up the screen every time she's mm -hmm. on. I love her so much. Yeah, there's See, like... that's why... That's no, go why... ahead, Katie. Thanks. That's why Tiana is one of my favorites in this season, is I really think it's because of Makia Cox, because she does such a good job playing her. Yeah, totally. There's like an authenticity in it there's like a vulnerability in it there's like a realness in it it's just wonderful i really really like her she's an incredible addition to this season and it's almost a shame that she didn't start off as a series regular i mean she became a series regular like really mm -hmm. fast but it's kind yeah. of crazy that she wasn't you know, a series regular from out the gate. So I'm glad yeah, totally that they agree. did bump her up. And um, she's just been fantastic. I just really, really like her a lot. So, all right. Let's get into the final storyline of the episode. And uh, it starts off with Henry at Ronnie's bar. And he's chatting with Remy about the podcast and the lights start to flicker and they flicker some more. Remy goes to investigate and Mr. Samdi, Mr. Baron Samdi appears as if out of nowhere and basically tells Henry that he's a, he's an investor and he was sort of pushed out of Hyperion Heights by Victoria. But now that she's uh, gone, he is back, and uh, he's interested in sprucing up Hyperion Heights and making it better than before. And he wants to start off, basically, with Ronnie's bar. And so Henry says that Ronnie isn't there. And so Sam D ends up leaving his card for Henry, telling him to tell Ronnie to give him a call. So... Regina immediately realizes that Sam D is Dr. Facilier, and so she and Zelina end up teaming up to sort of investigate because they they wonder, or at least Regina wonders, if uh, Sam D is cursed. Like they don't know what happened at the end, you know, once um, or as Victoria, you know, was headed to uh, her death, they don't know if Victoria woke Sam D up and this that or the other so they're trying to figure it out and uh, as they're trying to figure it out I, I do want to make a little note of uh, a little bit of storyline with uh, Zelina apparently she's getting calls she's or she has been getting calls from her fiance and uh, you know she's uh, been letting it go to uh, voicemail so uh, that storyline is still there dangling by the thread and so they invite Samdi over, and uh, Zelina pretends that she's Ronnie, and uh, Regina pretends that she's Kelly, and uh, they want to see if uh, Samdi acts weird by the entire situation. And uh, it, it turns out that they end up realizing, or, or at least Regina is believing that Samdi is awake and uh, she ends up visiting Sam D and uh, Sam D you know 
confesses, or at least, you know, Regina figures it out and calls him out on it, and he, uh, you know, lets her know that he is awake. And uh, obviously Regina and Facilier have a shared history together, and, um, you know, uh, Regina's like, you know, I'm going to figure out what you're up to, and uh, he invites her in, and it looks like she's hesitant because, you know, she isn't the same person that he knew once upon a time. She has changed, but even though she has some hesitation, she ends up entering his apartment. So let's talk about this. Samdi, Facilier, Regina, Ronnie, Zelina, Kelly. Let's break this down and uh, let's start off with Jenna. Okay. Well, first, I also want to point out that Rumple comes in for uh, a scene after the after like the Sam D Kelly Ronnie confrontation, and he and they have a they have an interesting conversation. Rumple's now going to join up with them, and they're all going to work together. And Zelina's line about the dark one in denim is just so funny. I love any time they comment on just how different they are when they're in the other realm. It's just really adorable. That is true. That was such mm-hmm. a tiny scene. Yeah, yeah that is. It was, it was no, a I good scene, though, because also uh, Rumpel officially confirmed to them that he's awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also lets them know about uh, the coven being killed. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be great seeing those guys all working together going forward. It's You know, it's, the, it's another power trio. Um... Another thing, I know the pun with... I think I know the pun with Baron Samdi. His heart right now is barren because he doesn't have Regina's love. He wants to get Regina's love. Oh! That's well, what I'm go. thinking. I'm sure there's something more to no, it. No, Baron Samdi is actually a uh, spirit in voodoo culture. I was actually going to mention that. Oh, there you go. Second one. I'm yeah, actually, the, the look of Baron Samdi is very similar to Dr. Facilier. So I think that's where the inspiration for Dr. Facilier came from. Okay. Okay, I can get behind it. I like the plan that they came up with. I think it was really clever. Samdi is... Samdi, like, just from the moment he shows up, he's just... No matter the reality, Facilier and Samdi are just intriguing. Like, how do the lights turn off? Obviously, he's not, like, hijacking anything. But he just appears and he does what he's told unless he has, like, Drew working in the background. Like, hey, at this moment, cut the lights. Gotta make my big intro. Or he might have a little bit of magic. <laughs> oh, he could. True. I mean, a lot, of people, a lot of people in the land without magic right now are do have magic. Ivy, Gothel, Ivy used to. Anastasia, um, Sam, Sam D could as well. So, it's... So yeah, I like the I like the fight I like the um, confrontation between Kelly, Ronnie, and Samdi. I squeaked when I saw that Chad was calling. I don't know why. I just squeaked <laughs> really excited to meet Zelina's fiance. Mm-hmm. Although, I'm, yeah. although all Chads are douchebags. No offense to anybody named Chad, but wow. <gasps> my uncle is the sweetest guy. Oh, nope. Jenna, you offended uh, Katie's family. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but oh, come on, in media it's true. It's like all the okay, jets I, are I will are agree jerk, with that. Way... Huh? I will agree with that. Yeah, in media they're all jerks. Like all the Jennas are mm-hmm. jerks. So mm-hmm. oh. true. Yeah, like no, seriously, oh, in media, Katie. like 
Jenna's are always the biggest snobs. Katie's are no, Katie's are hit and miss. Same with Jeff's. Like sometimes yeah. they're the hero, sometimes they're the villain. Like you yeah. get a fifty, but with Jenna's, it's like a hundred percent jerk ass. That's horrible. It's true. It doesn't mean anything <sighs> bad about me or anything. It just is the way allegedly. the media works. Huh? I said allegedly. <gasps> allegedly. Show me some examples of nice Jenna's. Show me them. I know, I have to think hard. They're yeah. always stuck up. They're always stuck up like mean girls. That's well, Jenna Fisher seems nice, but that's her real name. That's not the exactly. character. No, real life Jennas are cool. Real life mm-hmm. Jennas are cool. Um, media Jennas suck. <laughs> that's so it's sad. Like, we gotta, we gotta... like, I haven't met a real life Chad, but mm-hmm. but I, I, it seems like real life Chads are cool. Fake Chad, like me- media Chads kind of suck. It's just the yeah. way we gotta we gotta turn the tables here. We gotta come out with someone's gotta come out with a show with a nice Jenna and a nice Chad. <laughs> I want that. Um, but anyways, hey, hopefully this Chad will be nice. You never know. Hey, maybe. Yeah, I, I I'm all for a, I'm all for a nice Chad. I mean, he's gonna be Zelina's fiance. He, I mean, and Kelly seemed like a nice, boring person. Well, not <laughs> I love that. Huh? I love that. A nice, boring person. Hey, you know yeah. what? She's the fucking Sounds name like Chad. Sounds like Kelly I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, we're going a little off topic. Shout out to Kelly. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm the one who got it. You can get back to your point Chad now. Um, but yeah, that just... I like the fact that they're making these small references to Chad, like... Showing, hey, this is still kind. This is still a thing. We're gonna see how that goes. Showing the Zelina's relationship around the same time that was we're kind of get as we're kind of getting development on Regina's relationship. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I was really excited to see what exactly is in Samdi's room that Regina's so excited by, and what does Samdi want? Does he just want Regina's heart? And I hope I mean that in the romantic way, but it's once upon a time, you never know. Is it something more? Does he want to take control? Maybe he he wants to give her his magic stick. (laughs) He wants to introduce him to his friends. Cover your ears, Katie. No, Jeff, he (laughs) wants to introduce her to his friends on the other side of his body. I know, his friend down below. As above... As below. Oh my god! <laughs> For kids. No, what was that movie? So above, so below. Whatever it was, that was a. It was an interesting know. horror movie. But I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited. Are they just going to talk business? Like, I don't know. What's this going? Really? To all? You think they're going to talk business? That scene I'm just was saying you never ridiculously know. hot. Okay. Okay. Hey, Regina's a good girl. You never know what she's up to. <laughs> Regina also has not gotten laid probably in eight to nine years. And (laughs) unless they have, well, maybe they they might have some magical forest type of thing to hook her up. (laughs) You know, she has been lacking. And meant vibrator. Okay, so every couple has their food. I wonder what shadow queen's food is gonna be like um chocolate covered strawberries (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) or candy apples 
No, but Caram not. Like the caramel apple that's got the chocolate on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just... I'm very... I can't wait to see what food comes up for those two. But, yeah, so Oysters. I like... This, I like this portion. I it, It's nice to see, like, what's going on with our returning characters. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say on that. All right. I'll go next. I loved all of these scenes. I loved uh, Zelina, like, period. Like, I like her teaming up with Regina, and I loved that little line that she had of sass with Henry, where she was like, you know, do you have a house? Like, because you're always here. <laughs> I, I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was cute, because obviously she, she, you know, she can't say you're the child, so that's why you're here, and that kind of thing. But, uh... Their plan, I thought, was really good, and uh, seeing Sandy's reaction to Ronnie was interesting. Like, I kept on looking for, like, visual cues and that kind of thing, and uh, then, you know, when she went to him... And she was, like, questioning. Well, I love the line, like, you know, you think you can, like, walk into my town and, you know, me not realize that you're awake. I love that line. And then when she, like, kept on, like, questioning him. So, like, why are you here? You know, what are you doing here? And he invites her in. And then he's, like, you know, when she declines, she's, like, you know, well, do whatever you want to do. That's what you always do. And then she <laughs> hesitates. And, like, you see, like, in her face... Like, her contemplating, and then, you know, when she enters the lair of Dr. Facilier, I was like, get it. <laughs> well, because it's been a long time since Regina has had any type of romance, even if it's just sex. Like, when's the last time we saw Regina have sex? When she had sex with Robin in the vault? Like, I think I that's think I it. I know. She could have gotten on with a couple of dwarves or something. Archie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe they yeah. have like hand. <laughs> He's very spry in bed. But um I just I am so happy and uh even if they didn't bang just the idea that they might have is really exciting for me because I'm it makes me happy for my Regina. It seems oh. like as if she's going to uh get some sort of romance type of thing with Facilier, and they're electric, like, if you did not see their chemistry, then I don't know what you're watching, but, um, Katie, what about you? What did you think of the Baron and the sisters? I really liked that scene, um, where, you know, they come up with this plan to switch their, um, switch their names and um, pretend they are the other person. Um, I thought that was actually very smart, and I didn't think of that. Because um, when um, she had said, well, I might know a way to see um, if he's awake or not, I didn't think about that. So it was very smart on their part. He seemed and, surprised um, when uh, Zelina mentioned her sister. Because remember, oh. like, she was like, you know, my partner is my sister, so, you know, I'd have to run things by her. And he was like, sister? Mm -hmm. Like, he seemed a little, uh... Yeah. 
taken aback by that. Or not taken aback, but like um, stymied by it. Mm-hmm. That's it's true. Po- it's possible he didn't know about Zelina's existence. I mean, they knew each other during the EQ, during the Evil Queen days, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zelina wasn't with them during Tiana's coronation, so it's possible that he was just like, oh, okay, I didn't see you there. You're a sister? Cool. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's actually that's very true. I actually didn't even think about that, that he seemed surprised. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. Um, obviously, Ronnie is in on the fact that he's awake, but Kelly is not, or Zelina is not. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see where it goes from here. But I will say that that last scene with um, Sam D and um, Regina definitely interested me as well. Um, it's like I said with their relationship in the magical forest, I, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to come for them, I feel like. And we're just going to get little bits and pieces as it comes along. And it's going to be interesting to see how exactly their relationship works. You know, obviously in the Magical Forest, you know, we had the scene where they were kissing. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how we got to the point where we're at here from there um, as it unfolds, as we get the story unfolding. So I think it's just, I don't have a solid opinion about them yet because we just, we got so little of them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more to really form a solid opinion. But I know you haven't jumped on board like Jenna and I have with Mm -hmm. Shadow Queen, but what did you like best? Did you like their interaction in the magical force, or did you were you more intrigued by the Hyperion Heights stuff with them? I, I think I liked them in Hyperion Heights like a tiny bit more, um, just because we got a little bit more of it to see, um, to see how they interacted when they were both pretending they didn't know who they the other person was. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. To see how they interact in the magical forest versus in Hyperion Heights from here on out. But I will say that they definitely do have good chemistry. Like, I, there's no denying that. Alright. Any theories at all as to what Samdi Facilier is up to? And uh, any thoughts at all on whether it's going to be truly villainous or is it going to be something that's kind of ambiguous and that's how they're going to get away with maybe redeeming him if that is what they're going to do with him? I'm opening it up to the floor. Hmm. I think it's going to start out villainous and then it's going to kind like. It's going to start out where we're thinking it's all villainous. Maybe it's going to get have like a tiny bit of nuance. A little bit like Hook's Revenge on Rumple in Season 2, where it's like, it's for this very sympathetic reason, but it's still villainous, and maybe your redemption can kind of be pulled out of that. Because, like, if they mm-hmm. want if they want Facilier to be a full-on, like, 
true and true and true love interest for Regina, unless they conclude with this just cut like the romance just kind of being like in its very early stages, kind of like what it was like it if it ends the series off on the same note that the Enchanted Forest stuff with Tiana and Naveen ended on, where it's just kind of like the beginning of their love story, then I can kind of see it. Um, if they if they were just making him a tried and true baddie, if not, I feel like they're going to have to give his motivations a little bit more nuance. Also, I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's killing off the witches. Do you have a feeling? I hmm. think that's like the obvious choice. And so that's why I don't think it's going to be him. Like, I still feel like, and I don't know why she would be doing it. I feel like my choice last week, Robin, is who's doing it. But I don't know why. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Unless, unless they make it so that Facilier is doing it for Regina. Because... I don't know why, but, you know, so that the curse isn't broken, so that Regina's son can stay alive. Unless Facilier is doing it specifically for her, I feel like showing him killing witches in Hyperion Heights might be a line that he's crossing. What is it? What am I trying to say? A, a, um... Event Horizon? Yeah, like, it would be too deep. And, um, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of something that you could be redeemed of like after a season or two or that kind of thing it, that would be too fresh for him to like really get any type of redemption and i feel like this is regina's romance like by the end of the series like they're going to be together maybe even married and that kind of thing and so if they're going to head on to a road of redemption it's got to be something that um can um a, a lesser crime basically that he's going to get redeemed for per se. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I honestly, I don't even know where it's going to go from here. I just think it's going to be really interesting because what we know of him is that he is this horrible villain, but obviously as Once Upon a Time goes, we, I mean, they're always, if you're going to become you're going to become the second half of a true love pairing at the end. It's going to be a happy ending where everyone's good. Um, So it's going to be, and we don't have many episodes to get there. So it's going to be quite a journey. That's all I know to see how he is redeemed in not many episodes left to go. That is true. That is true. Unfortunately, you know, at the time that they started writing this, you know, they didn't know. Yeah. So. Exactly. The suspicion, because like in the article, they said they were either going to end the season off like one way, or they going to end it off if with a cliffhanger if they got season eight, and they had enough of a suspicion that it might be the last. I think that they they had a little bit more time than they're letting on, but still. I would hope. I feel like sometimes Adam and Eddie they there's like a lot of bluster in their talk. And so it's it's mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they start saying things to sort of, um, quote-unquote, cover their asses and that kind of thing, or to mm-hmm. save face. So I never really know what 
they're really saying, to be quite honest. Because, like, the mm-hmm. whole interview, I think it was last year, after Jennifer Morrison announced that she was leaving, they were like, oh, we already knew, and this is that or the other. And I'm like, I don't think you really did, you know, based on how the storyline was going. Because it was going one way, and then all of a sudden you're rushing to a wedding. Because you're realizing mm-hmm. that all these people are not going to be coming back. So... Yeah, so I don't know if I fully, fully embrace everything that they say. But that's a whole other story for a whole another day, because now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. And let's start off with Jenna Pace. Although I feel like I could probably guess all of your MVPs. Although maybe I might be wrong. <laughs> Well, uh, actually, I'm going to be slightly boring, at least in regards to this group, and I'm going to say Dr. Basilier, because Ooh. Um, Ooh. A, a wasn't mentioned, but I love his outfits. Like, if he and Regina do get together and they're staying together, they are going to be the, the most fabulous pair when it comes to costumes. Like, holy shit, they, they're going to be a very hot pairing, both outfits and chemistry. Um, I love his... Ke- well, first, I love his chemistry with Regina. I am, like... In these little bits, he already sold me on Shadow Queen. Just by being his compelling, awesome self. I lo- And um, in regards to with Tiana and Drew, I love how he's really in- integral to both of their stories. I love his interactions with Tiana in the Enchanted Forest. And while I do love Tiana like a lot, like how she stood up to Facilier and just took no shit from him... Facilier still won the day in this really cool in this really cool way. Like he he made a loophole in her loophole. So I'm just impressed with that. That sounded kinky. It's a little kinky. <laughs> I like how he made a loophole in her loophole. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Katie, is that how I sounded this entire review? Yes. <laughs> I didn't ask you, Jeff. Oh, I apologize. Oh. No, that's how he sounded this entire review. But oh, please. <laughs> um, and in well, Vinny's not here, so I've got to do something. Shout out to Vinny. Aw, <laughs> we miss you, Vinny. Happy anniversary. And Heather. Oh, Heather, yes, we miss, we miss both too. of you. Aw, we can't wait for you to come back. Um, so uh, I'm sorry. And in Hyperion Heights, he's just as interesting. He's making the lights flicker. He's throwing his presence around. He's up against these badass sorceresses and stuff, and we don't even know if he has magic, but he's just making himself so intimidating and interesting, and he's got Ronnie on the ropes, Then that has a nice alliteration to it. So, yeah, I my vote is for Dr. Facilier-Samdi Baron, and hopefully with Regina coming inside, he won't be Baron for long. Okay. Uh... That was something. <laughs> Just to add on to Facilier, I loved his costumes too. I love the Facilier costume. I feel like they did a really mm-hmm. good job. Like the hat was amazing. And I loved uh, Zelina's line. You're like, oh, the voodoo priest with the hat. Like that was just fantastic. <laughs> I, I loved uh, all of it. Wait. And I will agree, his suits were dope. Like really, really good. So um, they're going to make a good couple, especially whenever Regina starts wearing her Regina clothes. I'm just saying. No offense to the Ronnie clothes, but, you know, Regina was fancy, so I, I kind of um, miss that a little bit. I just realized Zelina apparently did meet did meet um, 
uh, Dr. Basilier because of that line. So, eh, I guess maybe she well, at met some point. Meet her or something. Or either that yeah. or, she, or she's heard of him. True. Yeah. Anyways, go on. Katie, who's your MVP and why? Well, you probably have guessed it, but my MVP is Tiana. Yes, Woo! I knew it. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> um, I... I gave all the reasons that I loved her while we were recapping, but I mean, she's so spunky. She's so strong. I love how she stood up to Dr. Facilier, um, doesn't back down. Um, I love how she stood up to Drew when she thought that he had um, sabotaged her um, food truck. Um, but I, I just, I really appreciate her, um, on this show, and I love Makia Cox, um, so she gets my MVP for this episode. I like it. See, I had the feeling that, I just had the feeling that the three of us were going to pick Princess and the Frog characters, to be quite Every, honest. I really mm-hmm. did. To be quite honest, yeah. uh, Dr. Facilier was, like, my top choice, but uh, Jenna, you did him justice uh, i feel like did a really great job explaining why he's your mvp and uh, i didn't know like it was a toss-up between both of you like who was going to pick tiana i felt like if one of you picked tiana the other would pick drew but since jenna picked facilier i'm going to pick naveen slash drew i really liked jeff pierre as the character i was very worried about like how they would um basically make drew not true. Make Naveen on the show. Like, would they uh, keep him sort of like true to the character that we were introduced to on The Princess and the Frog? Like, would they have, uh, you know, incorporated some of that story a little bit more in the show? And the fact that we already saw sort of like someone go from a frog to a human back to a frog, you know, I. I get why they didn't go that route, although there were little nods and winks, you know, with like, you know, there, there's only the frogs around us, you know, listening to, to you or whatever it was, you know, it was that, that line when they were on the boat together. And then uh, obviously the alligator sort of being Louie and, and that whole thing. So as far as though, just the character of Naveen and Drew, I really liked him in the magical forest, I loved his cocky demeanor and the fact that there was sort of um, a, a tragic uh, reason why he was a bit cocky. And I liked him in the um, in Hyperion Heights, you know, because of all the reasons in which both of you stated, you know, the fact that he was still cocky, but that he was a bit more responsible and he was a bit more caring and uh, the electricity that uh, he had with uh, Makia Cox's uh, Tiana slash Sabine was uh, really nice to see in uh, the past and in the present. So I'm going to give my MVP to Naveen slash Drew. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. And uh, let's go with Katie first. Okay, I am going to give this episode a seven. 
Seven apples. Um, just, I mean, I said at the beginning, it wasn't my favorite episode. I found myself looking at my phone a lot. Um, I feel like it didn't flow as well. There were They focused on some things that, I don't know, didn't seem... No, but maybe they did. I really don't know. I just feel like it wasn't my favorite episode for some reason, but... I really did like Naveen. There was really good CGI with the crocodile. Um, I thought Regina and Sam D's relationship or Regina and Dr. Facilier's relationship was very interesting. And I'm excited to see where it goes. So, it, you know, it was pretty good, but it wasn't my favorite. So, I will give it seven apples. All right, we've got seven Jenna Pace, what about you? Um, after a long thought, I'm going to also give it a 7. So, well, I think there were so many great aspects of the show. The show, the performances were great. There was a really interesting, there were a lot of interesting stories going on in Hyperion Heights. I, however, do, well, there's still some, there's still, like, some things that I guess I didn't like. Specifically, specifically, I guess, Tiana's story arc in the Enchanted Forest, I felt that it was a little odd and sort of still, even with your description, Jeff, I found that it was just a little inconsistent with the character that we've seen in Tiana, and I just find that it's making too big of a, a jump from Tiana being able to recruit people for this dangerous resistance only because she's a princess, and then as a queen, she's like, oh no, I can't accept anybody's help. So, to me, that was a little bit weak, and I kind of also feel like, um, I wish that Tiana and Naveen had more more story time. While they were the central conflict, I felt like the other subplots took away from it, and, you know, like, a lot of it, really, all, all the storylines, except for maybe the Jacinda Henry Lucy one, which I think was, was given just the perfect amount of time, I think everybody else's story kind of needed a little bit more going on. Like, I would have liked to see a touch more of the Ronnie, Kelly, Sam D. Rumpel stuff going on. So, yeah, that that's my that's my reasoning. 7 out of 10. Alright. Speaking of Sam D., I'm now really curious to see Sam D. and Rogers. And if Facilier and uh, Rumpel have a history together. Ooh, good point. Yeah. All right. So my turn. So I was the one that started off, like, really speaking positively about the episode, and I still feel ridiculously positive about the episode. Initially, I was torn because I was like, do I want to go full golden? Do I want to go 10? But I'm going to live in my truth, and I'm going to give it a golden apple. I really like this episode, uh, and uh, I will make no apologies about it. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I like the incorporation of Naveen. I like seeing Facilier back in the flashback, and then seeing his uh, character's iteration in Hyperion Heights. I liked all the stuff with Shadow Queen. I uh, enjoyed the Rogers and Weaver storyline, and, and how you know they're sort of trying to figure out what's going on with this serial killer targeting the coven. 
I liked the stuff between Jacinda, Henry, and Lucy. And uh, the fact that, you know, she was wishing and hoping for something, and it turns out she got exactly what she needed to make sure nothing happened to uh, Henry. And uh, just overall, I thought it was a pretty strong episode. I loved uh, Tiana and Naveen and Sabine and Drew. So, uh, yeah, for all those reasons and more, I'm giving it a golden apple. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybook Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Good night.